I had uh, on my heart to share with you some, 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 uh, some, uh, what's that, what's that, what's that, that bell? Somebody got a bell going here? Who's that bell? Okay. Oh, that's my Christmas bell. Amen. That's okay, sweetheart. You can ring it. Just remember, remember the bells are ringing when I preach good. When I preach good, ring it, sister. Ring it. But right now I'm not preaching good, so don't ring it too, too often, okay? <laughs> I can hear bells. I, I thought it was Christmas time. I can hear bells. Yeah. Makes me nervous. Like, you know, I, I've got the pomegranates and the bells going into the Holy of Holies. Makes me nervous. Anyway, I, I, I think we got, I'm going to take, we're going to do something different next week. But uh, this Sunday and take a break next week. Then we got the mantle service on the 12th, which is the second service that I'm talking about. And then we've got Christmas, which is kind of its own deal. And then we've got the 26th. So we got three services Sundays to go until the end of the year. And I had, uh, in terms of traditional services that I don't have something, you know, unique planned for. And I said, Lord, I, the Lord said to me, I want you to spend these last three services talking about casting the vision and talking very frankly to the congregation about 2022 and some things that, that they need to know. And so I had three, three messages planned. And this message, Importance of Revelation, was scheduled for December 26th as the last service of the year. But I felt the Lord prompt me this last week when we were actually in prayer on Thursday morning, honey, in the corporate prayer. I felt him say, invert the order and put this first and then put the one that you were going to do this Sunday at the end. Uh, and I just think it's better the way, the way he wanted to explain. You'll understand later why. But, but the, the last service was a little bit more practical in nature, a little bit more details and vision casting. It's not as much spirituality. It's not as much teaching. And I just felt he wanted me to do more of that spiritual teaching today and then talk about maybe more practicals toward the end of the year as we're entering into a new, a new 2022. So I've been saying to the Lord, uh, Lord, overall, I know there's a lot of churches went through a lot of different you know, issues during COVID. And uh, some churches closed, some churches we are aware of that closed. Uh, the churches are still not open. Some churches that are open are just not operating at full capacity or afraid. And there's a lot of displaced people right now. It's a great time to invite people to church. There's a lot of displaced people right now, frustrated people. And, and, and I said, Lord, overall, to see a pastor can't just put your head in the, in the sand. You've got to look up and you've got to look around. Do you understand? And so I, I, I have to assess objectively, not just because I like the congregation. And so I've spent time over the last month assessing objectively, where are we at as a church? In light of what you've shown me on the fast, and this year was a year of revelation, and there's a lot that has come that I haven't even shared with you yet about the years to come, about what's happening, about our works internationally, about different things. It's just not time to share it yet. But I'm telling you, the waters of Jordan have truly opened, and there is a lot of revelation that has come this year just like he promised me. And there's also been a lot of attacks, probably the worst year of attacks, far worse than last year that I've ever faced in my entire life, let alone just the ministry. He said it would be a year of obstacles and a year of revelation, and it certainly has been. I'm looking kind of forward to this year to end, to be honest with you. I love the revelation, but I don't like the obstacles. And so I'm looking to get into the next season. But I have to objectively look at where does the health of the church? And the Lord said something to me. He said, COVID was hot water. And he said, your church is the tea bag. That's how he said it to me this is a little while ago. And he said, what's in your church, really in your church, yeah. Amen. not just when it's all cool with your virgin pina colada, but in your church, the true reality of what's inside people. Yeah. 
has been tested in these 18 months. And the true has come out. And so to, on, to give an honest assessment, if I can look over the last 18 months, it's really more like 21 months. By the end of Christmas, it will be 21 months. When I look at back and I look at the whole thing overall, at all the different categories, not just money, but the faithfulness, the, 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 the unity, just a lot of different categories. I honestly feel from the bottom of my heart, and I, and I asked the Lord and he concurred, that 95% I would say between 90 and 95, but I really believe 95% of this congregation during this test and trial has acted honorably, has acted faithfully, and things more or less have gone on without a hiccup. About 95%. And so I really believe, and, I, and the Lord concurred, he agreed with me when I said, Lord, that's, how I, that's what my pickup in my, in my heart is. Is there anything you want to say? But he goes, no. He said, he said, your congregation has acted admirably in this time. Now listen, God can't say that about every congregation. And he, now not 100%, because some people, the devil's looking for weak links. But if you read the Amplified of Luke 4, it says that he, after he tested Jesus for a season, he stepped back and observed him waiting for a more opportune time to strike. So the enemy is very strategic and looking for the right time to hit you. Jesus had just fasted and prayed. He was full of the power of the spirit. That's not the right time to hit him. But he's going to wait till he's physically tired. He's going to wait till the, the Pharisees have risen up against him, till his own disciples are complaining, until he's frustrated, until he's annoyed, until he's physically weak. Then it's an opportune time to strike. So the enemy is watching and waiting for opportune times to strike. And COVID has been a great opportune time. And he has struck. And there's been a small percentage, I would say 5% or less, of the congregation that couldn't handle the hot water. So they backslid or they left or they quit or they got offended or whatever. I'm, I'm, I don't have time. I don't have time. I love you. But if you can't run the race with me, you got, I got, I'm, I'm, the train's left the station. I'm not slowing down. But 95% stayed on the train. Some of you wobbling scarily out at times. And no, I'm serious. And in prayer, I pick it up and I pull you back in. And then, oh, I don't know why. Everything's just better. I don't really know why. That's because your pastor prays for you. And her on the crying out in intercession and weepings for people in our prayer office at home. I don't know why. Just everything seems great now. Dear God. If I'd let you go, you'd fall off the track. The other train would run you over. But that's my job is to watch in the spirit and I can't help everybody because their will's involved. And if they won't work with the Holy Ghost, I can only go so far. The rest of it is up to them. But listen, I'm trying to get to a point. You keep pulling me off, Reverend Greg. Stop that. What I'm trying to say is when I look at the overall health of the church and I have done this, this is part of my vision three-part series, okay? When I look at the overall health, I would say that our church has done admirably well in the last 18 months. And I'm very pleased, and I believe God is pleased with what we, where we've come, how we've come through this, and where we're at today. I really do believe the Lord is pleased. However, are you, are you got that little, mm, ring the bell, sister. I, I'm preaching good. Ring it. I can't hear it. I, I can't hear the bell. There it is. I'm preaching good. I'm preaching good. I'm preaching good. I heard the bell. I'm preaching good. Hire her. Hire her. Letter of offer, Errol. I want it written in her name before the end of the service. But I said, Lord, now I, so I, I was kind of basking a little bit and happy and beaming. I said, Lord, thank you. Yes, Lord, I believe that. Amen. 95% give or take. We've done well. We've done well. And then the Lord just paused me and he says, yes, 
your church has, and I could tell by his tone something was coming, but yes, your church has done well and worked admirably in this season. Then he said something to me. He said, the hot water of COVID is not the same as the hot water for the rest of Hebron. Now, I'm not saying that something worse than COVID's coming. That's not what I'm saying globally. What I'm saying is, yes, I know COVID continues in the world, but in the realm of the spirit, it's in my rearview mirror because God said when Randy comes, something's going to change and you're going to thrust forward. So I know it's out there. I know what's going on. But in my mind, it's over. Do you understand? In my, in my spirit, I, I just know I'm, I'm past that. I've stepped past that in that realm. And now we're moving on to the next phase of our, of our ministry in the phase of the vision. But what he, he's not talking about another global pandemic. That's not what he's saying. But he's saying in the next season of the rest, because we've only done 20 and 21. We've only done two years of seven and a half years. We have five and a half left. He said, and I just, he said, what's coming in the next season. And he didn't say it's next year necessarily, but he said the next season. So that's kind of vague. He said, there will be times of tests and trials that are heavier and the water is hotter than what they've just gone through. And he didn't mean globally, like there's another big problem globally. He's talking about this church, this vision, this body, and your involvement in this body. Because the things are picking up. You don't know because I can't share everything yet, but things are picking up. And there is stuff coming that is glorious. And I don't just mean for Toronto, I mean for different parts of the world. And there is going to be a standing up, so to speak, of dark forces to try to hinder that progress. The devil doesn't just lie down and let you walk over him. He will try. He can't win if we are spiritual people, but some people are more in the flesh than they are in the spirit. And that's why they are a weak link and they get pulled out like 5% of this congregation in this hot water. There's other seasons of hot water coming. Okay. Are you still following this journey? So he complimented us. And then he said, however, this next, there's other hot water coming that will be different to and worse than in some ways what you've just gone through. And then he said, and the congregate, this is interesting the way he phrased it, the congregation's strength to get through the COVID hot water is not the same as the rest of the Hebron hot water. In other words, they don't have the strength, not all of them. You won't have that same percentage by the, in five and a half years in terms of people standing strong because other things come. The devil's not lying down. Other things come globally, locally, individually, other things come. And so I said, Lord, and then he paused and he said, and then he reminded me of something that somebody said last week to the staff, one of the staff who told me, by the way, when you tell the staff something, they tell me. (laughs) Okay. So some people, I think they think they can tell the staff like it's some vault and that I'm never going to hear it, uh, but there's obligation to tell me. So just, if you don't want me to hear it, don't tell the staff. So one of the, somebody had told the staff, one of the staff who had told me, and, and you know, you know, I can't give too many discs. I don't want them to know who, who is, anyway. And they just basically said, you know, um, we don't come to church every week. Why, why should we? We don't need to. We like the COVID way. Meaning we had a season where there was no church for a long time and it was only live stream. But the, the danger is that you can get you a little bit of an appetite for that. Yes. For PJ Church, not Pastor Jenny, Pajama Church. And then we come back and then for a season we had every other week or every three weeks because of all, okay, but now we have an opportunity that everybody can come every week, any service that you want, and sometimes two times a week. And yet in in this season, there, now I know that's not the majority of people, but it was just a very small minority, but there was an attitude of, why? I like the COVID way. 
and, and these are people that they don't have shifts at their work that are hindering them. They don't have children that are hindering them. They don't have health issues that are hindering them. They don't have finances like they can't afford gas. There is no real reason for them not to come to church. And yet they are coming every other week. And the other week they just go, no, I like the COVID way I'm watching. Are you listening to me? I don't apply to you probably, unless you're the one of the ones that is doing that. But I heard the Lord speak to me and he said, that attitude will not get you through the next hot water in the rest of Hebron. And of course, there's many attitudes like that. It's not just that one attitude. There are other attitudes that are dangerous. And he said, your church has done well. The gist of it was your church has done admirably because you've had a season of hot water. But don't think that this is the last season of hot water before the rapture. There are other seasons globally coming. There are other seasons corporately just for this local church attacks just because you're part of this church and there's other things coming just because of you because the devil withstands you because he hates you and he hates your future and what you're going to do for the kingdom there's there's global and there's corporate and there's individual and just because you've got through this admirably does not mean are you listening that you sit back in your hammock and go "Eh, i can take a break Because that attitude of, I don't need to come. Well, I don't need to come. I like the COVID. That's taking a vacation. That does, that is not indicative of press. That is not somebody that's hungry and pressing because they never had that attitude before COVID. So why should they have it now? You see, there's an appetite. There's a hook that has gotten to people, caused them to want to be lazy. Now the Lord, I'm not rebuking. I'm just telling you, if that's you, change it. Because he said, you've done well, but there's other things coming that Craig, you don't even know fully. And I don't corporately, globally, and individually, and there's got to be a stepping up if we're going to get there to to the next level with God. Are you listening? Okay. Now I said, Lord, okay. Thank you for the compliment. I will pass that on. Thank you for the correction. I will pass that on. But now what do we do? If you're telling me that we're not, we're good for this past attack, but what about future? We've got to pick it up more. How do we pick it up? And so I am thinking to myself, well, I, maybe I need to get different preachers or more sp- speakers or my delivery. Or, you know, years ago, Jenny and I were forced, we didn't want to, but we were forced to go to this leadership seminar. And there's nothing wrong with leadership seminars, but it was a church growth thing, a secret sensitive, which I'm fundamentally opposed to, but I had to. And anyway, you know, and Morris Gigenti was with us and he, was, he fell asleep. He was so bored and he started snoring. And all the people around us were looking at us and, Morris, wake up, Morris, wake up. <laughs> This is boring. And he fell back asleep because not all those church growth seminars have much of the anointing on them, but they have some good leadership principles. I got to give them credit. They do have some, but a lot of it is, it's all mental based. You don't ever hear them talk about the anointing or prayer or anything. It's all like, okay, let's do breakout sessions. And then you're going to have leaders in the breakout sessions. And then you're going to give checklists. And then you're going to do pie charts. Everybody loves pie. So pie charts are really good. And you're going to do all these graphs and you're going to help. And then screens and lots of videos. And then, and then don't tell anybody about sin. Don't tell anybody about all this nonsense. And so at the end of the day, what happens is you get these people to try to catch the vision. They're trying to get people to catch the vision. Are you listening? Because if you don't catch the vision, the church can't go to the next level. So even these big churches, these secret sensitive churches, they want people to catch the vision. Otherwise the people won't be behind them to go to the next level. So they're trying to get them to catch the vision mentally. And it works to a measure. What happens is when, as soon as a few months go by and the pastor's not hammering that vision and that mental kind of gimmick thing, when your life takes a turn or a stress happens for you or a problem happens for you or whatever, immediately there's a focus on the other thing and you forget the church. 
because you're trying to handle your life. And when everything was peachy, you could handle what is all going and you're all great. Amen. Praise God. But then when that problem comes, now you're just, you go inward because you're trying to survive. And so that's why a lot of these churches have a very large back door, a revolving back door. People come and they're all hoopla, but it's mental, not spiritual. So when they have a problem, then they get stressed, they get offended, and then they're back. And so there's a lot of movement coming in and out all the time. That's not the biblical example of a New Testament church. Jesus said those that are planted in the house of the Lord will prosper and flourish, not transient. To be in and out all the time is being what Dr. Dufresne would call you a church tramp. You're tramping around. God wants you to find the place and be planted. Are you listening? So I know from personal experience and being at these conferences that there are some tricks and there are some things you can learn naturally to help cast vision and get people excited. And I'm not against those. But I've also seen from watching over time that those things don't carry long-term weight. Because as soon as the person has a problem or gets disgruntled or whatever, or hears something more exciting at a different church, it's changed. So I said, well, Lord, if you're telling me that the congregation needs to step up more for where we're going and to get what we need for our vision and our hearts, I know that this way of doing it out there and all the, all the big workshops really has short-term gain, but long-term it doesn't really work. Yeah. So what do, how do, what, do, how, what do I do? How do I get the people in our church to not only know where we're going, but to really step up spiritually so that they can withstand the next seasons of hot water so that they actually get it done. So that even if something goes wrong in their life, they're not just mentally taking a break from the vision of the church while they focus on themselves. There is something that holds them to the vision of the local church. And it's got to be more than breakout sections and workshops and pie charts. Because that's mental. I said, Lord, help me. Help me. Show me. You're telling me we've done good. You're telling me that some of the attitudes need to be adjusted. You're telling me that what's coming in the long-term future is going to be in some ways more of a challenge than even what we've gone through and the people have to step up. How do we do that? Because all this stuff doesn't really work. And he spoke to me. And he said, son, he quoted me, uh, which Taylor found. He quoted me at Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. Without knowledge... My people perish. Amen. So would you look that with me, please? In Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6. He had quoted it, but I didn't, know, I didn't remember the reference. Because <laughs> uh, I just know it, the way it sounds, but I didn't remember the reference. But it's Hosea 4, 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. He goes on and on. Now, can I tell you something? Can I borrow your Bible? If you read this Bible like this, you'll have a lot of knowledge of scripture verses and you can still die of cancer. I know people that have memorized every scripture verse in the Bible on healing and they still died. Having knowledge is not enough. So what do you need? The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There are two words for word in the Greek. One is logos, which is the written word, and one is rhema, which is the revealed word. 
You can read a thousand verses of the written word and not have any rhema about anything you read. In which case, it's great to read. It will still encourage you. It's still good to do. But you don't have any faith for all the thousand verses you read because faith doesn't come by hearing and just hearing the written word spoken to you. It comes by getting the word of God jumping off the page. And when you go, wow, I see that. Oh, I never saw that before. That's revelation knowledge. That's what produces faith. And this is a victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So if you don't have faith, you can't have victory. So what I'm saying is don't be hung up on reading the Bible in the year. What you should do is get revelation, even if you don't read that many scriptures. Read as many scriptures as you want to read. I'm not against reading volume. What I'm saying is I don't focus on just trying to read, 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 read. I focus on Holy Ghost where teach me. I need revelation in the word because I can read 10 chapters and not get one ounce of faith. But I can read one verse that he leads me to. And he shows me something in that verse that I never saw before. And something, it quickens. In fact, the word rhema means to pour in or to alight the fire. It's quickened. Something, shh, the fire of God comes into me. I, I never saw that. There's a revelation. Now, now I've got faith for what I've just been revealed. Do you understand? So what we need is revelation. My people are destroyed for lack of, we could say in the New Testament more accurately, not just knowledge, but revelation knowledge. Because you can know things and still fail. Head knowledge. But when you've got revelation knowledge in your spirit as well as your head, it goes from your spirit up and illuminates your mind. When, you're, when you've got revelation knowledge, you won't perish. And that's why I can, I've seen people with the same sickness, same problem. You know, they're reading the same things in the word and one dies and one doesn't. Because one read logos and one got rhema. And that's what it comes down to. When you get revelation, it'll produce faith. When you've got faith, it produces victory. If you just read, don't necessarily produce revelation, you're just reading. It's good to read, but that's not what's going to bring you faith and that's not what's going to bring you victory. So the Lord said to me, it's, reve- it's lack of knowledge. It's lack of revelation knowledge that causes people to perish. And he said, your congregation, are you listening? It's not about my pie charts and my great delivery and my screens or all the different guest ministers. It's not about any of that, which is what they teach you in the big conferences, but it's not about the mental ascent. It's about the spiritual connection. And the Lord said, if you really want your congregation to get to the place where they are ready for the next seasons of hot water. They've done well. But what is coming both globally and corporately is not going to be the same as what's happened. There are other tests and trials coming. I hate to burst your little bubble, but we are in the last days. Jesus is coming back and the devil is roaring, looking whom he may devour. And we withstand him steadfastly in the face and resist him and he will obey us. But don't think for a second that you're exempt because you've got through the last 18 months. There has to be a further development in your spirit if you're going to get through the long haul. And this attitude of, I don't need to come, is one of many indicative attitudes of of nonsense, of childhood, of immaturity. And that does not bode well for the next seasons of hot water. So I said, Lord, what do we need for the congregation to go with me this next season, this next next part of five and a half years? What what do we need? He said, more revelation knowledge. They need more revelation. That's what he said to me. They need more revelation. And then he said, and then he spoke some things that encouraged me. He said, son, if people had revelation of tithing, you would hardly even have to ask for it. You don't have to twist arms. If people had revelation of serving and ministry of helps, you wouldn't have to beg people and say, I'm not going on in the service unless 19 people stand up because we're going to. 
We sometimes have to do that, but, but we shouldn't have to do that if people have a revelation of it. If we had people with revelation of their marriage and their role in the marriage, I would hardly have any counseling sessions left. Of the love walk. Do you understand? If people could get revelation about the glory center and what it's going to require of them spiritually and financially and naturally speaking, uh, the pressure and the burden on me would not be as great as it has. I I didn't say this in the first service because I was going to say it in the the December 26th, but I'll just tell you this. You know what all this came out of? Can I tell you why I started talking about all of this? Because the pressure that I have been under about the glory center specifically has been so intense against me to the point that I've started to have physical symptoms in my body where, I'm, where I am concerned if they continue pain in different parts of my head and different things because there is such pressure on me. And I now understand why that statistic is the way it is that up to 50% of U.S. pastors in a building fund, a major building fund, die of heart attacks. I, I, and the, the faith people say, oh, yeah, we don't have that. We don't have that. And we don't. But I understand what that feels like because there has been tremendous. I don't know. Part of it's spiritual. Part of it's the devil. But part of it's also my lack of skill allowing that pressure to come because I've, I've got to the point where I almost felt like it's my responsibility And if I can't do this, then I've let God down, then I've let the people down, then I've let you down, then I've let the revival down, I've let this down, I've let everybody down. And and that can put a lot of pressure. And and then finally I got to the point I had pain going up into my head and and the Lord said, sit down. This is just a few weeks ago when I sat down. Plus all the people riling up against me during this change of thing and people threatening to leave the church and getting in the flesh about this vaccine that I mean, just that was all happening at the same time. And he said, sit down. And I mean, he was aggressive with me and I sat down. He said, if you don't change, you will die young. Your physical body can't take this. And he said, now you've preached it, but you're not living it. He said, why are you taking the responsibility upon yourself? Like it's up to you to raise $6 million for the glory center. Like if you can't do it, it's not like somehow you're going to, I'm going to blame you. I said, but Lord, it is my responsibility. He said, no, it's not your responsibility. It's my responsibility. But I'm telling you, if I know as the preacher this doctrinally and I can slip back into it, anybody can. He said, don't you remember what I showed you on the fast? I saw an empty cup and a vision. That was me. I saw him pour the the vision into me. Then I saw another cup appear empty in front of it. That's the church. I saw this cup pour the vision into that cup. Now the first cup's empty. Then I saw a hand come and do this to the cup. And I heard the Lord say, pour out the vision and get out of my way. In other words, you're not as important as you think you are. You're not as critical to this as you might believe you are. Not just from a pride perspective, but out of a stress perspective. Get out of my way. And I have not got out of his way. In these months, we haven't even started raising the money for it yet. Can you imagine what basket case I'd be when we raise the money? If I can't even handle it before we even start raising the money. Because what he's trying to move the cup and what I'm trying to do is say, no, 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 no. Keep me in the forefront. Keep me here. I have a very important role. 
It's my responsibility to get them to give. If they don't give, it's my failure, my fault. And it was causing such physical pressure on my mind that I started getting sick. And the Lord said, you stop that. He said, do you want to die young and come home early? I said, no. He said, well, then you need to do what you preach. Your job is to pour the vision out and get out of the way. I will do, my power will do the rest. Like I preached last Wednesday. That doesn't just apply to your healing. That applies even in a broad stroke of whenever we're believing God for something, our job is to speak it. His job is to do it. He, we get out of his way and let him do it. But you see, I'm preaching it, but I'm not even really doing it in my own private life in terms of the glory center pressure. So he said, you need to get out of the way. And I said, but Lord, you told me the people could delay it because he did. And I said, and what if they delay it? (laughs) I started to cry. What if they don't do? What if they don't do? And he said, then stay in 140 capital court till the rapture. That's what he said to me. In other words, I'm trying to take it on. Like somehow this has to work one way or the other. And what he was basically saying, he wasn't saying it wouldn't work. What he's saying is if the people won't obey me, then stay there until the rapture. And then he said some other things which I'm not permitted to say yet about the international works and about stuff that's going to happen internationally that is going to blow Toronto out of the water. In fact, to the point that Toronto will be an afterthought in my mind. I won't even maybe even be here that much if the people don't obey. Because my call is needed for the earth. And I don't say that pridefully. I say that humbly. But my call is needed. If people won't listen to it here, they'll listen to it in other places. And if you don't, God will, send, God will take me away. I'm, I'm not saying that as a threat. I'm serious. So I can't say everything he told me, but he did say, if the people don't listen to me, it is not your job to have a heart attack trying to get them to listen to me. If the people don't listen, you'll stay in that building, but I'm going to do other things in other parts of the world that will blow your mind. So don't worry about it, son. Don't try to take the pressure of the people. Just pour the vision and get out of my way. So when I, so that really helped me. I felt like 100,000 pounds come off me. And then I said, but Lord, then he said, but your people, that's when he started talking to me. They have been admirable during the season. Some attitudes need to be adjusted. He said, now the next season, there's other attacks that they don't even know and that you don't even know, both globally, corporately, and individually. They need to step it up if they're going to make it in the long haul, including the glory center, but not limited to that only. And that's when he started saying to me, what they need is revelation knowledge. What they need is revelation knowledge. If they've got revelation, you don't even need to ask them certain things. They'll just do it. Because when you've got something revealed to you, you don't need somebody to twist your arm. You will do it whether the pastor tells you not to. With the people in the wilderness, the stubborn Israelites got revelation knowledge about their building fund. And even when Moses said, we've got enough, they still insisted on giving until he had to send out an ordinance to say, we forbid you to give money. That's the measure of revelation that they had. Notice Moses wasn't having a heart attack. He just said, God, do it. So he talked to me about revelation. He said, what you need to do, son, more than ever before, more than ever in the last 13 years of this church. He said, what you need to do is you need to start praying for the congregation that they would get revelation knowledge. And he said, tell them to pray for themselves that they will have revelation knowledge and tell them to pray for their brothers and sisters that they will have revelation knowledge. And I'm, so I, he just kind of opened up this flower to me, Greg, in a way that I know this doctrinally from what Dad Hagen taught us, but it was so much more real to me when he said it. 
And let me tell you this. He took me back to Dad Hagen and he said, now you know the two main areas to get revelation. He said to me, I said, yes, Lord, I know. And I named them because I know what they are. They're praying in the spirit and the Pauline prayers. And he said, tell the people to do both. But he said, emphasize strongly. That doesn't mean I'm not emphasizing tongues because you know how important tongues are. Tongues will get you into, will take what's a mystery and reveal them to you. But he said, emphasize praying the Pauline prayers to your congregation. Now that doesn't sound very exciting, does it? That sounds like there's no way that that simple thing could really fix all this stuff that we're talking about. Oh, yes, it can. And that's where I haven't really focused on it because I haven't, I didn't have revelation into how important the revelation prayers are. And Dad Hagen would say, he said, I don't believe in magic and I don't like magic. He said, but I don't know any other way to say it. He said, when you pray those prayers, it works like magic. In fact, he said the reason he had the nine visions that he had in the 1950s where Jesus appeared to him, open-eyed visions, was because of praying those Pauline prayers. Now, you can't claim that. That happened because of his prophet's office. And you can't claim anything but the inner witness, the still small voice, and the scriptures. Don't be asking Jesus to appear to you because demons will. Looking like him. Don't be asking angels to talk to you because demons will. Looking like they're angels. Don't be asking for dreams. You'll get wrong ones. Don't be asking for prophecies. You're not allowed to claim anything other than the inward witness, the still small voice of your own spirit, and the word of God. Those are the only things you can claim. If God decides to speak to you differently, he chooses, and you're grateful. But you judge everything with the word and with the inner witness. People tell me they have dreams, and I know in my spirit it's wrong. Just as soon as they tell me, I know it's wrong, and they're convinced. Don't just take your little crazy dream. Look at it to your inner spirit, man. Judge it by your spirit and the bearing of witness and by the word. And if it doesn't bear witness, throw it in the garbage. It was a pizza dream. There's Domino pizza dreams. There's Pizza Hut pizza dreams. Little Caesar's pizza dreams are extra demonic because they're extra delicious. There are many different pizzas out there. Pizza Pizza made in 1969. Canadian brand. There are lots of Pizza Pizza dreams people have every night. Don't judge your dreams or your angelic appearance or your this or your voice. I heard a voice. You better be careful or devils will take your life over. You're not authorized for any of that. You've got to judge those by the word and the inner witness. All you're authorized for God to speak to you that you claim is, Father, speak to me by the still small voice of my own spirit and speak to me by the bearing of witness of the Holy Ghost in my heart that I know that I know and I don't know why, but I know that I know it's true and give me scripture. And that's it. Are you with me? Revelation knowledge is absolutely critically important for where we're going. And then he started to drop some things into me, Reverend Greg. And, he, and, 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 I, and I, there's somebody sitting here, and I, I don't want to point you out. But there's a man that's sitting here that is going through health issues. I don't want to point him out and embarrass him. But I heard the Holy Ghost. He showed me that man. And he said, now that man has been struggling and using his faith, believing me for this healing for many years. And it has not manifested. I said, yes, Lord, I know that because I've counseled this man. And he said, if he'll start to pray the Pauline prayers, I'll show him where he's missing it. Amen. I mean, he said, just like that. Just like that. And I said, what? Then I saw another person in the congregation who's dealing with uh, family members that are, that are not walking with God and demonized and different things. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, tell them, if they'll start praying the Pauline prayers over that individual, that person that they're praying for will get revelation and they'll have revelation of how to deal with them. Yes. Other people that are believing for spouses to get saved, start praying this over the spouse. God will give that spouse revelation of their need for Jesus. 
Children, you're struggling with your children being wayward or rebellious. Pray this over your children. Put their name in the prayer. God's power will start to reveal to you revelation of how to deal with that child, exactly how to pray, what to say, exactly what to do. And God will reveal to that child supernaturally in a way that they can grasp it of where they're missing it. I saw it. It was like he pulled back a veil, Greg. And I wasn't just about the glory center and the need of people to get revelation on tithing and on faithfulness and on prayer and on evangelism and on ministry of helps and on the glory. That's how it started. I need them to get revelation on these agape points. But it, it went from that broad spectrum into like a little laser into individual lives. And I saw this person struggling and I heard the Lord say, if they'll pray the prayers, they're not getting healed. There's a reason why they're not getting healed, but they don't know why. And he said, and I said, tell me and I'll tell them. He said, I'm not telling you, it's under your business. But I will show them why they're not getting healed if they'll pray those prayers. Then I saw this marriage issue. I, there's somebody sitting here today. I won't say who it is, but they're, they're having problems in their marriage. And I saw their face come up before me as I was praying. And I heard the Lord say, tell them if they will pray the Pauline prayers over each other, I will supernaturally reveal what the problem is and how to fix it. Wow. I mean, it was just one individual situation after the next of people in the church. People that have struggled, that are good people, kind people, faithful people, honorable people, but they're not seeing breakthrough, Jenny. I saw one person who just can't get a job for love or money. They can't get a job. They're not a bad person. There's a reason. You start praying those prayers over yourself. God will show you that reason. There's people that have trauma from their past. You start praying those prayers over you. God will fix that trauma. I'm not saying anything bad about psychiatrists because they have a place. Going on the couch has a place. But we have the great capital C counselor on the inside of us. And there should be enough power in your spiritual life to deal with past problems that you shouldn't need anything else. If you do, take it. But grow up to the point where eventually you don't need it. It's like taking Tylenol. We shouldn't need it. But if we need it, take it. God is not displeased with the application of medicine. Dr. Dufresne always said, he's displeased with no application of faith. Just do use the faith you've got. And if it's not enough, take the medicine. If it's not enough, take the surgery. But down the road, 20 years from now, hopefully you're still not taking the same medicine because your faith has grown. If you need the mortgage, if you need the loan, use the faith you've got and then take it. But hopefully down the road, eventually you'll get to the place where you can pay cash for certain things. And not always be bound by debt and interest. Yes. But you see, we've got to teach people it's not wrong to do that, but use the faith you have and then grow your faith. How do you grow your faith? Revelation. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the revealed word of God. The more revelation, the more faith, the more faith, the more victory. Everything in this life comes back to revelation. In fact, you couldn't even be sitting here born again if you didn't have revelation. You wouldn't be filled with the Holy Ghost if you didn't have revelation. You can't use your authority without revelation. You don't know who to marry without revelation unless you married whoever you found hot. But then you wake up one day and then you'll put them in the not hot column. But you find that you're still married to them. Tough luck. You should have been led by the Spirit. But God can take the not hot marriage if you pray the Pauline prayers. He'll take the not hot marriage, the not working marriage. I want to kill you kind of marriage. You go to bed with a little revolver, the, the little pearl hand revolver underneath your pillow. He ain't waking up tomorrow morning no matter what. I'm going to pop him two caps in the gun. I'm going to pop caps in him. Some people are like that. They're at that point, that breaking point. <laughs> One lady came and said to me, she was joking, but 
it kind of scared me because I realized she kind of wasn't joking. This is years ago. She said, Pastor, is arsenic a frying pan or a pistol? Which is the way to go? I said, well, if you, if you do any of those three, you better be real good because you're born to the penitentiary. Some people get to the end of their ropes. But no matter how bad the marriage is, God can make it right if you get revelation to know what demons you have to deal with, to know how to treat that person, to know there's certain specifics that your mind can't fathom. And watching Dr. Phil, every season of Dr. Phil, every binge watching Dr. Phil, Dr. Phil, and more of Dr. Phil is not gonna give you the answer. I'm serious, people look, no, they look for help in the strangest places. But, but, but pastor, but I watched, I watched every episode of Dr. Phil and I'm still confused. Well, that's because you need revelation. Some of what he says is a help, but you need revelation from God about your particular issue. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, son, for the bigger things, the glory center, the money, everything, tithing, faithfulness, everything, as well as the individual issues of their individual lives, everything is resolved. If they can just get revelation from me, then they'll know what to do. It'll take care of everything. Focus on revelation in this season. They need to step it up, but focus on revelation, not beating them up. Just focus on revelation. Now, sometimes you need to be corrected, like the attitude of, well, I'm not coming to church because I don't need to. I like the COVID way. That needs to be rebuked. Yes, but still, if you get revelation, you won't even think that way. Are you with me? So as we close this glorious sermon, let bell, please. Thank you. I feel so encouraged. Thank you. Okay, stop now. Thank you. I'm sorry. The bells are ringing today. Before we close this bell ringing sermon, I'm trying to help you because it's helping me. I can already see things changing in certain people's lives because I've been praying this over them. I've already seen things changing in certain things in my life because I've been praying this over them. It doesn't happen maybe overnight, but if you'll be faithful, it will happen. I'm telling you, when you pray these prayers, it is so powerful, you allow God's power to start showing you what you need and to fix that problem. So can we read them and then we'll close? Is that okay? And can you write down the references to them so that you don't go, well, that was a great message, but I can't remember anything that he said. Amen. Why don't we just watch Dr. Phil? Maybe Dr. Phil has the answer. No, no. Why don't you just write down the references and, you know, and then some people says, well, pastor, it don't work if you don't do Amplified Classic. If not Amplified Classic, I just know that God's on into the name of Amplified Classic. No, it can be Amplified Classic, can be New Living, can be any, anything you want. Don't get religious about the, 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 the translation. I'm just reading it from the King James, but that doesn't mean it's the only translation. In fact, it's not even the best one. But I'm just reading it from that one because that's what most people understand it to be. So can you look with me, please, in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 16. And let's just read these. It's 1239. What time are we supposed to end? Taylor, why are you rushing me? we got all the time in the world. We started at, I, I couldn't think, Greg, because I don't even know. I'm so messed up with the times. What time did we start? 11. What time are we supposed to end? One. Right? No, not 12.30, Greg. One. If you want 12.30, you have to come to the 9 o'clock service. You see, the 9 o'clock goes an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes, but the 11 o'clock goes two hours because there's a nicer flow in the 11 o'clock. And I don't have to rush. And like, and like I, can let the, I can let the words of knowledge operate because I, I'm not in a... No, I'm serious. But I, ha, I have to be a bit tighter at the 9. So if you want the tight, tight wads, then, then you, if you want the tight wad sermon... 
No, because some people go to work at 12 o'clock. They, they don't, you know what I'm saying? Some people, they like, they're getting up really early. So, but, it, but it's sometimes it's a bit more of a tightwad sermon at nine o'clock and it's a bit more loosey goosey at 11. But we will be done on time. Lorraine, stop giving me that look. We will be done on time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, Ephesians chapter one and verse 16. Now I want you to, now, now Greg, don't just put Sonia's name in this. Put your own name in this oh, okay. first and then put Sonia's name afterward. But you can, I'm going to make it personalized. But I pray this, I put Jenny's name in there. And I put my son's name. I, li- I list them. Quinn, Cole, Caleb, Blue. And then I can't list all of you, but I say, Father, my congregation of promise of life. And I named it that way. Or if there's somebody specific on my heart, like that man that he showed me that's been struggling, not getting his healing, I will now pray that over him and put his particular name in there because God showed him to me. But if God doesn't show me somebody, I can't just go through all, it'll take me all day. I'll never do anything but pray these prayers. So I have to kind of keep it general unless, and the same with you. If he shows you somebody, make it specific. But if he doesn't, just keep it general. But at least name your spouse, name your children, name, name, name. If you're believing for your father, I'm believing for my father to get saved. I can put his name in this. You know, you can use this for unsaved people. Because even though not all of it applies to unsaved people, it will allow God to give them revelation that they need Jesus. You know, that couple we're inviting for the Christmas service, by the way, invite unsaved people to the Christmas service. We just invited a precious unsaved couple last night and they said they're coming. They're going to be our special guests at our Christmas service. And I'm going to be praying out, Jenny, for that couple. I'm going to put their name in this prayer so that when they come, revelation will come to them. Father, and I'm going to make it personally to me now, like I prayed over myself. Father, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of myself in my prayers. Seriously. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. That the eyes of my understanding, my mind, would be enlightened with light from my spirit. That I may, what? Know what is over my calling. I'll know who I, who I am. That I would know what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Know what I have. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to me who believes what I can do. Who I am. What I have. And what I can do. Father, thank you that you enlightened me that I would know who I am, what I have, and what I can do. According to the working of your mighty power, which you wrought in Christ when you raised him. Now, this is when I get excited, Jenny, because as I'm praying this over me, what's happening? I'm saying, Lord, give me revelation that Jesus is seated. Because Ephesians 2, 6 says I'm seated with him. If I can get revelation that he's beaten every foul devil on the planet and in the heavenlies and I'm seated with him, it means I've beaten every foul devil on the planet. This is very powerful. And what is the exceeding greatness of your power toward me who believe according to the working of your mighty power, which you wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Lord Jesus, you've been set far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also that which is to come. Sometimes I'll add stuff as I'm praying and I'll say, hey, you foul thing in my body and I'll name it. You see, you've got a name, but that his name is above that name. And I'm in him. That means I'm over you. Now I command you to go. Sometimes I'll be praying this and I'll just get right in and I'll just start dealing with things. So don't just say it religiously. Open up your heart as you pray it. Be willing to start, stop and just start praying in the Holy Ghost a bit. Be willing to start commanding. Be willing to start prophesying. This is a gateway, these prayers to revelation realms. Are you with me? And has put all things under your feet, Jesus, and gave you to be the head over me because I'm part of the church, which is I am your body, the fullness of you that feels all in all. 
And then I just quote, Father, according to Ephesians 2, 6, which is in conjunction with this scripture, that you have set me high to be seated in heavenly places with you at your right hand. Now, that means if I've got revelation that you're seated high and I'm seated in you, that means I have all dominion and power over every work of darkness. But I make it personal. Then I pray it over my wife. Give her revelation that you're seated high. Give her revelation that she's the church seated with you and that everywhere she goes, she brings your fullness. Your dominion goes where Jenny goes. Then I prayed over the staff. Then I prayed over the congregation. I'm telling you, it might not happen the very next day I prayed it, but I guarantee you it'll happen. God takes this stuff seriously. So you see this prayer, a lot about revelation, a lot about your dominion. Now go to the next two chapters over, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14 to 21. Are you ready? For this cause, this is what I pray, you do it however you want, but for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of my Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that Father grant unto me, according to the riches of your glory, to be strengthened with might in my, by your spirit in my inner man. Pray that, brother and sister. The reason Christians backside is because there's no strength in their spirit. Your mind might be all highfalutin, but your spirit is emancipated. Pray this prayer over yourself that, Father, you would strengthen with all might by the Holy Ghost in my inner man that my inner man would be strong. That Christ may dwell in my hearts by faith. That I would be rooted and grounded in love. Oh, how we would have a better church if everybody loved each other and was rooted in it. Oh, how people wouldn't get uprooted by offense if they just prayed this. That I may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. All the rejection issues people face, all the insecurity issues people face, all the self-loathing that people face. If you just pray this prayer, God will suck it out of you with the Holy Ghost vacuum. He'll start giving you revelation of how much he loves you and how much you should love yourself and how much he doesn't care if they don't love you, that you're safe in his love and the length and breadth and depth and height of his love will set you totally free. But you got to pray this over yourself. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Where am I, Taylor? You got me distracted. And to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that, you, that I might be full, filled with the fullness of God. That's a powerful statement. How can a human being be filled with the fullness of God Almighty? Wow. But let's just start praying it. Yeah. I'll just take a little bit more than I've got right now. If you got filled with all the fullness of God, you'd explode. Yeah. But let's just try to just get it started. And then I keep going. I know it technically ends in 19, but I get excited. I keep going. Now unto me. Sorry, not unto me. Unto him who's able to do exceeding abundantly about all that I ask or think. See, I told you I got excited. I can't do exceeding abundantly. He does, but I put it personally. Now unto him who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all I ask. Not just pastor, Nancy. Me, I ask. I have a right to exceeding abundantly. According to the power that works in me. Now unto, the, now unto him, Jesus, be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. And to all the world without end, amen. It doesn't take long to pray. But these scriptures are filled with what you need for revelation. The next one's really short. For those of you that like short, you'll like the next one. It's, it's only three verses, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 9 to 11. But oh, how potent it is. And Father, I pray that my love may abound yet more and more. 
In knowledge and in all judgment. Notice how often in these four scriptures he talks about love. Because if you don't have love in the church, you're not going to work. We've got to love each other despite skin color, economic status, whether they hurt you, didn't hurt you, this, that, whatever else. Love. The love walk. I pray this that my love may abound more and more in all knowledge and in all judgment. And that I may approve things that are excellent. The Amplified says that I may sense what is vital. Jeepers, if everybody could just get that one phrase and get revelation on that one phrase, this place would be packed out with every guest speaker. Because when guest speakers come, people don't sense what's vital. It's vital for you to be around another office. But they don't sense it because they're not praying this, so they don't have revelation that they need to be there. I, Lord, I'm, I'm just believing you that my love's going to abound and that I'm going to sense what's vital and approve what's excellent and that I may be sincere. That word means not a hypocrite. And that I may be without offense until the day of Jesus Christ. That means until the rapture, I'm not offended with anybody. And that I would be filled with fruits of righteousness. Not just saying I live right, but let people see my life that I live clean. I can show fruits of right living. I say that over myself. Which are by Christ Jesus under the glory and praise of God. Simple. There's so much in those three verses. And the last one is Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9. Can you turn there and then we'll close. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9. Hallelujah. For this cause I... From the day I heard it, I do not cease to pray for myself and to desire that I may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Oh, how important this is to know the will of God. See, you talk about strength in your spirit, not being offended, your dominion, the love, love, love. But notice this, that you would know the will of God. Remember Epiphras prayed that the church would know and stand fully and complete in the will of God. If you don't know the will of God, you're sunk. You've got to know the will of God, where you're supposed to go to school, who you're supposed to marry, what job you're supposed to take. Know the will of God for your role in the local church. Knowing the will of God is so central to everything that we believe. But pray over yourself that you would know the will of God and you will. Because revelation will come to you. That Father... I may be filled with the knowledge of your will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding and that I might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. That means I please God and I'm worthy. Some Christians live in an unworthy way. Not me. I'm going to be worthy and I'm going to please him. And that I would be fruitful in every good work and increase in the knowledge of God, which is the word. That I would increase in the knowledge of the word. And that I would be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Amen. Strengthened. Remember the other one we talked about strengthened in your spirit, man. This is saying it again. That I would be strengthened with all might according to your glorious power that I would have patience. See, I'm praying out about the fruit of the Spirit, that it would operate in my life more. That I would have long suffering and be willing to get through these tough times with joy, not with grouching. With joy. Now giving thanks unto the Father, which has made me to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in light. Father, thank you that I'm partaking in my inheritance. My prosperity, my healing, my protection, my favor, all the inheritance of the saints in light. I'm partaking in it. Now watch this part. This is powerful. Who has delivered me from the power of darkness and has translated me into the kingdom of Israel. If you just meditate that you've been delivered, you won't always try to get delivered. I know some people need to get delivered. But if you just start meditating that I'm delivered. Devil, you've lost your hold on me. You've lost your torment on me. You've lost your power on me. I've been translated and I have been delivered. Say that over yourself. 
in whom, last verse, we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And oh, that's important to do because all of us make mistakes. All of us are asking God from time to time to forgive us. And the devil wants to keep condemnation. He wants to keep guilt. He wants to keep you in that prison of look how rotten, look what you did. No, say over yourself every day, I've got the blood. And I've got forgiveness of sins and it's gone. And I forgive myself because he forgave me. And I'm not going to be held in bondage and torment and condemnation and guilt and fear. No, I'm free by the blood. And that is in the past and I'm walking forward. It takes five minutes to pray these four prayers. It's an investment that will pay dividends in your future. Five minutes for you. Five minutes for your spouse. Five minutes for your family. Five minutes for me, my children. Five minutes for this church. Five minutes for anybody else that God specifically talks to you about. When you're praying for me, please, because my children are not just pastor's kids. You've heard of PKs. There's a stigma about PKs, preacher's kids. And so many of them go backwards and waywards and backside and go into rebellion because there is an assignment against children whose parents are called. On top of which... Our children have a fivefold call on their life. So not only is there an attack because of my office, there's an attack because of their own office. Because Dr. Dufresne prophesied to them in the backyard and said, a prophet's office for Quinn. Now that's a high office. The pastor's office for Cole, teacher's office for Caleb. Luke hadn't been born yet, but I know Luke's office is coming. But all four of them have a fivefold call, plus they're connected to my call. And there are extra attacks that sometimes come against my children that other kids don't face. Now I'm just being honest with you. So you praying the Pauline prayers, listening, Quinn, Cole, Caleb, Luke would be a great help to me. You praying with Pastor Jenny and Craig, putting our name would be a great help to me. You praying for yourself, your spouse, your children, your immediate family would be a great help to you and them. You praying for this congregation, just say, Father, promise of life congregation as a whole. And that covers everybody. And then if God raises up somebody in front of you or a name comes or a face comes to your mind, then pray these prayers over that particular person. And I'm telling you, if we'll do this, I know it doesn't sound so like, like it's, it's kind of sounds like that's it. That's your big plan. Just praying a couple of scriptures. That's it. But there's something, there's like a nuclear power under this that people don't realize. And dad Hagen said the majority of the revelation that he got in his entire life, almost every sermon he preached came because he prayed these prayers and then he'd speak out by inspired utterance but he prayed these prayers for revelation so that he could speak out with inspired utterance. All those nine visions he said came because of these prayers. Not that you claim visions, I'm just saying. These prayers open up revelation to you of all forms and all kinds and all types. You don't know what to do wrong, you don't know why your business won't work? Pray these prayers. Mix them with tongues. You see, I get so excited when I pray them, I just start preaching to myself, binding, loosing, and I just, see, it's okay. I just put that on hold, and then I just start, sometimes I just start praying in tongues, and then I just, sometimes half an hour will pass. I'm like, oh yeah, what was I doing? All right, I was, and then I come back to those prayers. It's not just, it's not just a legalistic, let me get it done, let me get it done. It's a, I'm opening myself up to this. And the Holy Ghost starts to move. He said to me, your congregation has done well. Some attitudes need to be changed because they got a hook in that season. Correct them, which I've done both. He said, but coming, there's things coming that is going to require greater, hotter water is coming. He said, but they have to, their strength in the COVID season isn't going to get them through the rest of Hebron. They've got to keep pace. They've got to step it up. The way you do it is with revelation. The way it starts is praying and speaking these prayers. You will see things turn. 
You have a problem with your marriage? Pray for your partner. You have a problem with your kid? Pray for your kid. You can pray lots of different prayers, but pray, start with these four prayers. And watch, give it six months. Well, I, I waited six hours, nothing happened. Give it six months and pray it every day. And see what happens. I'm telling you. Woo, I'm telling you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this precious congregation and I highly commend them, salute them, and esteem them for their attitude and their strength during this COVID season. They have pleased you and they have pleased me. And Lord, they care more about you, of course, than me. And we just want to please you, Father. But as the pastor of this church, I am pleased and proud to call this my congregation. Lord, I know that what we've gone through has been a certain measure of hot water. And in the, in the years to come before the rapture, there'll be other seasons, both globally, corporately as a whole church, and individually that we'll each individually face. And Lord, the only way through in victory and dominion is with revelation, because revelation brings faith and faith brings victory. We've got to get back to the basics of where, what do we believe, why do we believe it, and getting revelation knowledge about things in our life. The way we accomplish that is to pray these prayers personally and to pray in the spirit. Lord, there's many other ways, but these are the two primary ways, which I'm putting emphasis on at your instruction. So Father, let them start it today. Let them put it as a reminder on their phone. Let them show honor and reverence and interest to quickly obey. Let them not let today pass. Let them not go down to sleep tonight without praying these four prayers over at least themselves, if not another family member or a church member. Let us get into the habit. Let us memorize them. Father, where we don't even have to open our Bible, they just flow out of us because we know them and we've prayed them so many times. As we're driving, let us pray them. As we're in the shower, let us pray them. As we're in our prayer closet, let us pray them. Let us get into the habit of praying out the revelation prayers and we will see that revelation will come and that revelation will bring faith and that faith will bring victory and we will overcome in all areas and we will accomplish. Father, I'm doing this about the glory center. I'm not gonna take the pressure anymore. I'm praying these prayers over the congregation that they would get the revelation and they would hear God and they would obey God for I can't make them do it anyway but Lord you have a wonderful way of influencing your people my job is to pray it over them not to take the pressure so I do that father and I thank you that it will come to pass I bless them now in Jesus name let them have the best week they've ever had and I thank you father we'll see them at the next service in Jesus name amen